Gospel with me to the book of Matthew. I'd like you to find the 25th chapter. This will be the second time we've been there this week, Matthew chapter 25. We were there on Monday night, and um, it was the night we talked about the, ser- the king's view of the servant and how the servant is viewed by the king. Tonight, we're going to go back to that same chapter, and we're going to pick up with the parable that preceded it. On Monday night, I told you that there were three parables in this chapter. This chapter is a par- There's one parable just for Israel. It's the parable of the ten virgins. You may have heard this parable before where they had lamps that were supposed to be filled with oil. Five of them were not filled. Five were filled. And this was a story to Israel to be prepared to face judgment. This whole chapter is filled with judgment, evaluation, and accountability. The, the other night when we talked about the king's view of our service, we talked about the positive side of the king's view of our service. We did not spend the time talking about the negative side, and this was to be for the Gentile. And so now we're looking at the one that is for the church. And so I draw your attention to Matthew 25, and I'd like you to go with me to verse number 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. This phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is a phrase that Matthew uses exclusively. He'll use it 31 times. He'll also, in his same book, refer to the kingdom of God. It is safe to say that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are synonymous. It's the same. It's just a different phrasing from a different perspective. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God has to do with how God's order of business goes. It's a very simple definition. It has a lot to do with the millennial reign of Christ when he comes. And in this, where we are in verse 14, Christ is telling a story. This is a parable. We talked about a parable. It is an earthly story and it has a heavenly meaning. There are specific applications. There are universal or general applications that you can make from it. So as you hear the story, it's going to talk about a man who took a journey. But I want you to see that this is a parallel to Christ. And as we read, think about Christ being the man who travels and goes away for a long time. Notice, if you would, please, now in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered them unto his goods. Are you thinking along those lines? Christ came to earth. He gave his disciples the commission before he would leave to go to be with his father during the age that we call the church age. You with me so far? So this is about Christ and him leaving and dealing with his servants before they go. Follow along. The Bible says he delivered unto them his goods, his wealth. In this story, he says in verse 15, unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. 
Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained the other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. You have that in your mind now? So we have the second coming of the Lord. And there is this time of accountability. Remember I told you this chapter is about evaluation, accountability, and judgment. The parable to the virgins dealt with the, the, uh, the, sorry, the Jews. And um, in the second parable dealt with the church. And the third dealt with the Gentiles. And so now this day of reckoning comes. And so that he had received five talents, came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent, you remember him? Came and said, Lord... I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, And gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming I should have received it my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him. Give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye... The unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, I thank you for the privilege to stand here tonight and preach at this church. I thank you for the good meeting that you've given us thus far. You've been pleased to move amongst us. You've been pleased to help us. And Father, as we focused on this theme about a servant, I pray tonight, that tonight, God, that you'll move in our hearts. That you'll help us. That we'll be obedient to you. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an amazing account of what has taken place here in Scripture. It is a parable. There are many applications that we can make. And as I look at this, I want you to see it as I understand it in this passage of Scripture. What we have is the Lord of these servants 
who are go, who's going away. And as he is going away, he calls his servants to himself, three of them. He has talents. Now, in English, we hear the word talents and we think of skills. Gifted. Like the Henderson kids, they do stuff with this stuff. <laughs> Sounds good. Gwendolyn and Victoria earlier, the song they sang, we think they're talented. They have skills. They are gifted. But that's not what this is about. You say, well, how could a talent not be a talent? Well, what if a talent, and you follow that through the passage, when the Lord comes back and he says, why didn't you at least take the one talent that you buried in the ground and put it to the hands of the exchangers, and at least I could have made interest off of the talent. So the talent can't be skills. So what is it? Well, talent is actually a measurement. It's a measurement that typically would be in silver. And it would be a 70 to 80 pound weight of silver. Now we're talking about a chunk of change. Today's value would be about $25,000 a talent. A measurement. A 70 pound block of silver. I was thinking about what could I get to illustrate like a 70 or 80 pound. I thought cement bags. And then I thought, who am I going to get to carry 70 and 80 pound bags of cement around to the church? And then we'd have to put plastic down and it'd just be ugly. So you have to just... Go with me to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and let's imagine. Okay. So now he takes this sum of money, which is a great... This is, we're talking about $200,000. It's not chump change. And he goes to the first servant who is multi-talented. He says uh, he gave it according to his several ability. That is to say the guy who had... The greatest amount of abilities got the largest amount of talents. Five of them. $125,000. That's more than most of us will make in a year. Then to the next servant he goes and he gives two talents. About $50,000. And hands that to him. These are men who have been in the employ of this master, this Lord. He goes to the third fella and he gives him one talent. One lump sum, $25,000. Well, this is a very interesting moment because they've worked for this guy. They know what he's like. And now he's going to take a journey and go away. So each one receives it. The boss goes away. He leaves them. And they are there for an extended period of time to carry out the Lord's business, their Lord, their master's business. They have resources that they have gotten from him. So now they take their skills and the talents, the measurement of money, the lump sums that they received. And now they go and say, how can I use the king's resources to do something with this. 
I don't want to just take this money and sit on it. I want to do something with it. I know my master has a high standard. He has expectations of us as his servants. I want to put this money, these resources to work. So the guy who got the five began to think, what could I do? So he begins to invest over here and invest over there and put the money to work. If, if we were in Alan's business, we would buy a few what? Cows and we would do what with them? Breed them. And trade them. And make babies with them. And sell them. And do it again. Well, that's your skill. That's what you do. And this is what we're talking about. Is that the king said, hey, you're a five-talent guy. Go make something with this. So the servant occupies himself with the task of doing his master justice with the resources that he got. It's a fair thing. Well, the second guy, he takes his $50,000 and he begins to trade in the same way. So he goes to someone else. Where's Bill Fane? Bill, what do you do for a living? Floor stuff. Wood floors. So, okay, take the two talents, Bill, and put them to you. So you say, well, I'll buy some inventory when it's marked down and I'll sell it and make a profit on it. And all of a sudden, you're moving things around and you say, yeah, we're making money. Selling cows, breeding cows, selling cows, breeding cows, not breeding floors. Buying floors, selling floors, putting floors down, employing more people, paying Sam more. Welcome to, this is still the imagination room. Okay. So, so he is working earnestly on it. Then we have Brother Sonier. Because he was right here. Brother Sonier, he gets a $25,000 gift. $125,000 for you. 50,000 for you, 25,000 for you. Well. So, the one lump sum goes to Brother Sonier. He gets that. Now, when he gets that, he looks at that and says, Wow. I know that master of mine, he's a hard man. In fact, the Bible says the way that the servant spoke, he was afraid of his master. The way the Bible speaks about this man, it's like he isn't even really connected to the same master that the others are connected to because of the way he speaks. In fact, when he tells him, he said, I was afraid of thee, and because of that, I took it and I hid it. Oh, that was brilliant. He dug a hole in the ground and put the 75 to 80 pound bar of silver in the ground. I don't want to lose it. I'm just going to take it. Now, when the master gave it away, he knew to whom he was giving it and he knew the skills and abilities of those to whom he, with whom he could trust his resources. How's the cow business? Oh, we're making them, selling cows and they're having babies and breeding the whole thing. It's working out. And we're buying floors and we're selling floors and we're, we're covering up our cover-ups. 
maybe. And then we got Brother Sonier. Where's your money? Well, maybe they all met for coffee at Starbucks. Now, that would be a gathering. Bill Fain, Dick Sonier, and Alan. Many thoughts came to mind, but none of them involved Starbucks. But they're there. And they're, oh, how are you doing with the master's resources? Well, hey, look, we've been breeding cows and gold. We've been buying floors. Mark, find them at discounts and we're selling the floors. It's going great. How are you doing with yours? I still got it. What do you mean you still got it? I, uh, I buried it. I dug it up the other day, still see if it was there. It was, and I covered it back up. And this process goes on for a period of time that's extended. Well, just as there is a day of uh, responsibility, there is also a day of reckoning. The day of responsibility is now. The period of time from when Christ has ascended to the period of time that He has returned. We know there is a rapture, and then we know after the rapture, there's the seven-year tribulation period. We know then there is the actual return of Christ to the earth. This is the entrance of that period. So we know we have this space of time to get work done for Christ. It is the time of responsibility. It has been 2,000 years since Christ left. He said, I'm going on a long journey. It'll be a while before I return. So he entrusted resources to Alan and to Bill and to Dick and said, hey, this is your job. But the day of reckoning comes. It's bigger than your credit card bill, day of reckoning. It's the day when the Lord comes back. Note, if you will, please. 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. This is more than opening up QuickBooks and reconciling the books. This is more than sitting down with the accountant to say, how's the business going? How are things looking? This is the real deal. This is the Lord of the harvest now looking at his servants. I can see him. I, I, I would say iPad, but whatever. He's got his device out. He's got his book here. And he's saying, okay, I gave you five talents, servant. How'd you do? You made five. I gave you five and you made five. Watch this. Well done. We're not talking about steak here. There's a good pun there, but we'll let that go. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I gave you five. You took that effort. You you saw the value of my resources. You used your skills. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. Ruler, will we not rule and reign with Christ in the millennium? Said I, I will make you a ruler over many things. Well done. Good. Faithful. Those are, it's a commendation. It's a compliment. It's a a celebration or coronation to say, this is it. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Come, celebrate with me. You've done what I looked for. What a testimony. 
for the day of responsibility to show up at the day of reckoning and saying, God's happy. Now, to be very, very transparent with you. If you are saved and you go through your whole life and you do nothing for Christ, you still go to heaven. I don't want you to get the idea of saying, well, I got to do a bunch of stuff to make Jesus love me. No, Jesus loves you just like you are, just like me. But boy, there's something about it when you realize what Christ, when Christ has done something for you as a servant, you say, I want to do something. So I say, okay, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Come celebrate with me. Alan, way to go with the beasts that you stuffed you did. Then it's Bill. Letting go, Mr. Bill, never going, never letting completely, moving forward. Notice what it says. The day of reckoning comes. We've passed the day of responsibility in verse 19. The reckoning comes. So how'd you do? I, my records show I gave you two talents. What did you do? Got two more. The response of the Lord? It's the same commendation. It's the same compliment. It's the same um, wonderful invitation for a coronation and celebration. It says, well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Wow. All because you took your skills and used the resources God gave you and invested and made his worth greater. Day of reckoning comes for guy number three. My records show I gave you one talent. Now, mind you, these guys are, you know, doing the happy dance. They're thrilled. They're, they're going to work with Christ in a greater capacity than they ever have in the millennial reign of Christ. Well, so we're at servant number three. How did you do? I gave you one talent. What did you do with it? I buried it. It's what the Word of God says. He said, I know thou art a hard man. If you knew the Lord like I knew the Lord, you wouldn't say he's a hard man. He's a gracious man. You wouldn't say he was austere. This idea of uh, uh, hard is to say uh, he's not effeminate. It's the idea of saying that he's a, a rough character. Is that our Lord? Oh, he's our gentle, loving Savior. Yes, he's a righteous and holy God. But when he deals with his children, he deals with them in a loving manner. And so the, the servant, this guy, he says... Uh, You're a hard guy. Notice what else he said. He said, you reap where you hadn't sown. That's a little bitterness. How does a fellow reap where he hadn't sown? You just, could I say it this way? You got a little lucky. You you make people work, you don't do a thing. And you make people work. He said, you gather. That's where they uh, divide the chaff from the wheat. You gather where you hadn't strawed. 
You've got all these things coming to you. And I was afraid of you. I didn't know what I'd do. So I went and dug a hole in the earth. And when we watch these words, the last words of 26, 25. Lo, there, thou hast that is thine. It's kind of like, I'm done with you. I kept this thing buried in the dirt. I'm freed of this responsibility. I want nothing to do with it. Now that's amazing. Can you imagine a true servant of the Lord genuinely replying to our God in this manner? You say, but he was a servant. Yeah. But didn't Christ say that in that day there would be many who would say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Cast out demons. Wasn't that us? And he would say, Depart from me, I I never knew you. You say, Brother O'Malley, do you think there are people in the church age who are members of our churches who are serving in capacities of ministry but yet are not saved? Without a doubt. And so what is Christ's response? Before it was a compliment, it was a commendation. It was a, 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 a call for to come and celebrate and enter in the joy of his rest. But what does he say to this servant who not well done, good and faithful servant? No, what does he get? You're wicked, you're slothful. The opposite of each, good, wicked. Faithful, slothful. Slothful. Thou knewest I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Talking about his skills and ability that the other servant had mocked. He said, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. It's, think of this as what we would say as the bank. To say, you should have at least given the bar of silver to them. Let them manage it, pay you interest. That when I came back, maybe I would have my talent and then a little bit of interest. But he said, no, you didn't. So what was his statement to him? Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My best guess, because I know we wouldn't lose our salvation, and the only other place that refers to places where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth would be where, Brother Isket? So this guy could not have been saved. The Bible says he's unprofitable. He is wicked and he is slothful. But he was with the religious crowd. Wasn't there somebody amongst the twelve like that? So now as I contemplate this, I look at the entire event and I realize, how does make me a servant fit this? Tonight I want to preach to you about a servant's stewardship. There is no question, everything you have, you got from God. If you can, raise your hand and tell me one thing you got that you didn't get from God. (laughs) 
Say, well, well, I, I earned my paycheck. Who gave you life? I, I worked hard for that. And who gave you strength? You see, all the way along we look at ourselves and we say, this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine. But the truth of this parable is this, is that the, that the Lord gave the servant resources. So that means even the one talent guy said, this is yours back. This is thine. The whole time he knew it, he knew it was his master's or the master's. The other fellows had theirs and the whole time they knew it, they said, I'm going to do something with this. I'm not just going to take the resources that I have and sit on them. I am a servant. Therefore, if I've been given resources by my master, I know what kind of man he is, and I will use those resources to advance the kingdom of my Lord. Have you stayed with me now? Because I put all the building blocks, every piece of the puzzle is out there now. So here, let's assemble them quickly and look at the picture, okay? You and I have been given great resources In our lives. You say but I don't have a lot of resources. Yeah. But you have resources. I don't have a lot of skills. But you have skills. God will not ask you to do more. Than what he'll provide you. He just wants you to do something. With what he's given you. When a servant looks at his life, he has to realize that he is a manager. That's what a steward is. A manager of the resources entrusted to him. How many of you received some sort of income so far this year? Some of you are gainfully unemployed. Okay, I get it. So you've received some sort of income. Let's just deal with this year's income. As a servant, make me a servant. As a servant, God gave you that income, did he not? Did you give God the first 10%? So, wait a minute, that is my money. No, all week long we've been on one thing. He owns me. That means he has every part of me. That means... I am his. And anything that comes to me is really my master's. So the income I receive, whether I receive it daily, weekly, monthly, annually, quarterly or annually, however that income comes, you shouldn't spend it until you ask the master what to do with it. Now you're blessed because scripture makes it very clear. I am to recognize my creator with 10% of my income. It's what every servant does. I'm just looking for faces. Every servant does that. You may do it voluntarily and others of you may do it involuntarily. But nonetheless, God must be recognized out of his servants from our resources that he's given to us to begin with. The Bible teaches us that there ought to be not just tithes, but there ought to be offerings. So that means that God should receive offerings for me beyond my tithe. 
I know by command that I'm to meet, take care of my obligations and responsibilities. So now all of a sudden, I look at the word of God and I realize resources from him to me. What do I do with them? I can put them to use for, to further his kingdom or I can just bury them in my hole and just keep them to myself. That kind of behavior is unbefitting of a servant. It's not befitting, it's unbecoming of a servant. And so as I contemplate the full story of what we've read tonight and how we look at this, the steward, the, the servant's stewardship has to be clear. We must take the resources God has given us and use them. So this is a, a parable about stewardship. Secondly, it's a parable about relationships. What do you mean relationships? Well, there was a relationship between the Lord and two servants and the Lord and one servant. In this room tonight, we could talk about the same kind of people that are in the, here present right now to say, okay, there is a, there's a fact that you have a relationship with the Lord or you don't. Those who have a relationship with the Lord will one day enter into the joy of His rest. And one day, if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, you will die and go to hell. So it's a story about relationships. Thirdly, it's a story about accountability. You see... There will be a day of reckoning for the believer. And there will be a day of reckoning for the lost. The day of reckoning for the believer takes place before the day of reckoning for the lost. This is why he was told he would be sent forth into outer darkness. So as I think about this, I realize now, what will be my story when I stand before the king and say to him, yeah, well, you know, I know I'm a child of God. I'm here. But I really didn't give you any of my resources. I kept them as my own. I say to you tonight, in this story of accountability and relationships and stewardship, one thing, and I'm done. Does God have full access to your funds. Say, well, <laughs> not full. I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll work on that 10% thing after a while, but not full. No. Does God have full access to every area of your life? Including your finances. Make me a servant is, is where you and I say to God, God, I know there will be a day of reckoning. And so therefore in this day of responsibility. I say to you. Here is everything I have. Everything I am. My life is to bring you glory. My resources that you gave me to begin with. Is to bring you glory. I seek no glory for myself. It's very sad to think that that servant. That served. Was sent into outer darkness. Gnashing of teeth. Weeping. And to think that there would be people here, Brother Farley, tonight in this service who might not be saved. Who sat amongst us and was not, have not trusted Christ. It is a fearful thing. 
to realize where you would go if you died. I say to you tonight on this very simple and introspective message to you, when we're asking God, make me a servant, I ask you, are you working in this day of responsibility? For there is a day of reckoning that is coming. I say to you tonight, does God have full access to every aspect of your life? Because if you're a servant, there is no withholding from Him. Would you stand with me? When it comes to being a servant, we sing the song, Here's my life. Take every part. I look at this passage and I realize there is a day of accounting coming. I want to be ready. And I want to enter and hear him say, Well done, good and faithful. You were faithful over a few things, and I'm going to make you over faithful over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Are you prepared for the day of reckoning? If you're not saved, if you do not know for sure you're going to heaven when you die, I can tell you tonight, you can be ready for the day of reckoning. I can have someone show you from God's word. But here we are in the day of responsibility. What are you doing with the resources God has given you? You see, we call this a faith promise missions conference for one reason. It's to say, God, it's not just the servant of my heart and servant of my mind and servant of my life. But I am your servant in matters of resources. You can have everything about me. Tonight I pray that the hearts to whom you've spoken, Lord, will find liberty to come. In Jesus' name I pray.